Thank you, friends. Thank you, Bell Choir. For those of you who might be interested in joining the Bell Choir, we have Bell Choir for people of all ages, right, Brian? Please reach out to Brian or any one of us, and we'll point you to the right direction. Uh, so grateful to be together on this 17th Sunday after Pentecost. My name is Uyan. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, grateful that we can worship our Lord as a family of God. Please let us know how we can connect with you, whether it be in person or for those of us joining us online. There's a multitude of ways to do that. There's the physical hospitality pads at the end of your pews. Take that, fill it on, and then you can pass it to your friends uh, right next to you. There's the QR code at the back of your bulletin that you can use your smartphones with. And then for, other, for those of us online, there's the virtual hospitality link that you can click on. And then you can let us know how we can be in connection with you. We welcome all of you, especially for those of us who are relatively new and first-time visitors. Uh, may you encounter, may all of us encounter the presence of God this day. I'm so grateful uh, to be joined by my friend and colleague, Pastor Bill. What else is going on today? Well, it's fall, and there's so much going on in the life of this great church. And I'm going to highlight very quickly one of the... Uh, events that you won't want to miss next Sunday. Next Sunday, first of all, is a family worship day, so there's no Sunday school for our children, kindergarten and above, but we do have in Jubilee Hall at 945 called Journey Around the World. And if you've wondered, like, where do your mission dollars go and what countries are we involved with, come to that event and learn all about missions. There's also might be a little bit of food there, so 945, Jubilee Hall, next Sunday. And now, let us continue in a spirit of worship.
affirmation of faith this morning is the Apostles' Creed. It's numbered 881 in the back of your hymnals. Let us unite in this historic confession of our Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to turn now to your worship bulletins to the prayer confession which is printed there. Let us confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. And hear the good news this morning. Christ died for you while we we're yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
The Gospel reading is Matthew chapter 20, beginning with the first verse. For the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the householder, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of my close buddies who works at Duke called me recently, and he asked, Hey, Uyan, do you remember our last year at Duke together? Do you remember how many football games we won? And me, being the eternal optimist, said, we won two games. And he said, no, we won one. Uh, the great thing about winning one game is that you have nowhere to but go up, right? So next year, we won zero game. <laughs> well, well, great thing about winning zero game is you have nowhere but to go up. So the year after that, we won one game. Duke is now 4-0. Uh, what's fair is fair. What comes around goes around, right? We're 4-0. Clemson has lost two games already. <laughs> this whole first bit doesn't really have much to do with the scripture lesson, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> For those of us with children who've been around children, what's the first word out of their mouth? What's the first word? I'd imagine something like dada, mama, ma, da, hi, bye, more. Uh, first syllable words. Now, I'm not done extensive research on that, but I wonder what is the first kind of sentence, whether it be complete or incomplete, what's the complex thought that child conveys uh, to their parents? What, what, what might be the first kind of sentence structure that they may convey? And I really think one of the more common sentence, complex thought, the young ones convey is no fair. No fair. It's certainly been true with my kids. No fair. 
researchers have long known that human beings were wired to compare ourselves with other groups and other tribes. Psychologists, primatologists, friends, the wall, he even writes that primates, they possess a very strong, keen sense of fairness, which they equate to their sense of justice. So when primates feel that something's unfair, they become quite violent. What is fair? In 1981, I was born in Seoul, South Korea to two loving parents. I imagine that very same year, about 100 miles north of where I was born, plenty of children were born in North Korea. They're not in Charlotte. What's well, fair? I've sat with families in a hospital where they rejoice over the miracle cure of their loved one who was so sick. In the very same year, in the very same church, I've sat at that very same hospital with a family who wept and cried as they said their last goodbye to their loved one who suffered from the very same disease. What's fair? I've known friends who've worked very hard to provide for their families, house paid off, retirement all settled in. They're going to have a wonderful life during work and after work. And I've known friends who've worked just as hard, if not harder, house still unpaid for, retirement none to speak of. He will work until the day that he dies. Right? What's fair? Today we see uh, this parable, Sunday school parable that we've come to know pretty well growing up. We have a householder, landowner, master, depending on the translation that you read, goes out to hire laborers, agrees for a denarius, denarii, one denarii, it's a day's wage. That harkens back to the days of manna. And we see that there are laborers from the early morning 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., and the 11th hour, 5 p.m. The workday ends, the wages are given from last to first, and soon enough, those who showed up early realizes we're going to receive the same wage as those who showed up at the 11th hour, the very last moment, at 5 p.m., and they, we read, start to grumble. Grumbling against God has been the favorite pastime of God's people all throughout the Bible, by the way. Starting from Genesis, on to Exodus, on to the New Testament. A couple decades ago in the 90s, I remember watching, this is when we used to watch television, and there were all these uh, late night news TVs like Dateline, Primetime, 2020, remember those? And they would do these docudramas. One of the things that really captivated my attention was when they did a human piece on inmates, inmates who've done horrible deeds, who are facing death sentence. As you would have it, the story was about inmates who had seemingly a last-moment, last-minute conversion experience. They found God, professed Jesus as Lord. And I felt so weird about it. I couldn't point out why I felt so odd about seeing that story. 
Sometime later, I realized why. You know why? I didn't like it. I didn't like that story at all. Deep down, in all honesty, I didn't like the thought that if I should go to heaven upon my death, that I would end up in the same place as these guys who've done horrible deeds to hurt so many people. I didn't like that idea at all. The so-called hard-working good people, like me, like you, we've often struggled with passages like this. How can God offer the same wage, same compensation to those who've done the work, who've done good deeds, to those who've not? It turns out that our God is a lousy bookkeeper. Jesus' bookkeeping violates our sense of right and wrong. It violates how we would do things if we should run the world. Jesus' bookkeeping violates our sense of fair wage and just compensation. And so this parable calls us to perhaps re-examine ourselves and look upon ourselves through the loving and honest eyes of God. A couple of years ago, James, our senior pastor, Dr. Howe, was doing a Bible study on this very same passage on a Wednesday evening, and he said something that I never really thought about. James said, you know, when Christians read this parable, almost all of us presume to think that we are the early laborers. Why is that? There is a particular kind of, I suppose, arrogance in me. I've always looked upon myself as the early laborers. Not noon, not even 9 a.m., early laborers. Like, I was here at 7.30 today, way before 9. But come to find out, perhaps, just maybe, that there's others who are in my life who will look to me and think me as the 3 p.m., or the 5 p.m., or even later still. We learn from this parable another dynamic that we often don't think about. You notice that whenever the, the householder, the landowner, the master goes out to recruit workers, regardless of the time, what do we read about the characteristics of these people? We read that they are standing around idle. They don't know where to go, what to do. They're lost doesn't matter if they're there at 5 or noon or early in the morning or 9. All of them don't know what to do, lost, needing to be put to work. And it is only when the landowner comes and gives them, calls them, and puts them to work, then and only then are they able to go into the field and be fruitful. Yet just within the same day, regardless of the time of the working, all these folks, especially the early ones, they forget, they forget that they were standing idle because they're so preoccupied with their envy for those who showed up late, forgetting that if it wasn't for the master, if it wasn't for the landowner, they would not be working regardless of when they showed up. That which is most important was the calling of the landowner far more than when they showed up in the first place. So the landowner asked, in the midst of the grumbling, are you disgruntled? Are you envious? The Greek says, is there evil in your eyes? Because I am generous. 
And this dynamic is so familiar to us, isn't it? All throughout the Old and New Testament, we see Jonah and the Ninevites. Jonah is angry. And God asks, why are you angry, Jonah? Are you angry that I dared to save my children, the Ninevites? Is that why you're angry? Peril, the lost son's father comes out to the older son and say, why are you angry that I opened the doors to our household to your younger brother, my son? Is that why you're angry? That I am generous, that I'm graceful, forgetting that the chief grace, the mechanism here that makes the story go before all else is the grace of God, the grace of the master, the landowner, who seeks out, finds, and puts the laborers to good work. Here's a part that we often don't think about, but it troubles us still, that God's justice, unlike the primates, God's justice is rooted not in fairness. God's justice is rooted in God's generosity. Generous God. Author Anne Lamott writes these words, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. Here's a wonderful thing about recognizing God's grace, especially if we should recognize that perhaps we're not the early workers, but if anything at all, all of us precisely because it is God's grace that is the engine to all of this, that all of us are more likely than not the 5 p.m. workers. All of us are the ones who showed up at the 11th hour. And when we recognize that, this transformative grace that is undeserved, unwarranted, it changes how we relate with God, and even more so, it changes the ways in which we connect and relate to our neighbors, to our friends, our family, our sisters and brothers in Christ. The lesson here is for us to live a life of thanksgiving. For all of us have been given far more than we deserve. All of us were laying idle until the master found us. So how about if we do this? Let's be grateful together. Can we do that? Let's live our lives grateful together. Whenever we feel the temptation of resentment creep in, let's remind ourselves and each other the grace of God that calls us even at the 11th hour. And God's provision, regardless of when we show up, is more than enough. What more can we ask for? Let's live our lives as a family of God with thanksgiving, with awareness of God's grace that is undeserved. And in so doing, we are grateful that all of us, we were once lost, but the master found us, that we were once blind, but now our sights are restored, that we were all once standing around laying idle, and our master calls us, gave us a purpose, and gave us good work to do as a family of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. Most Holy One, we gather in your presence once again this morning to behold your majesty, to draw near to your greatness, and to offer our thanks and praise. You are the source of everything and anything that is good. You are the cornerstone of our community. You are the strength of our spirits. We bless you and praise you. Never let us lose sight of your justice and your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, while we place our trust in your eternal justice, we are most grateful for your unending mercy. We dare to appeal to some sense of fairness when in truth we should humble ourselves in deep gratitude for your generosity. We do so many things that disappoint you and embarrass us. We focus on ourselves, we neglect our neighbors, and we ignore you. We are afraid that if we don't take care of ourselves, no one else will. Forgive us our fear of the future, our lack of trust in you, our failure to live by faith, confident in your goodness. Create in each of us clean hearts and renewed spirits. Renew our joy in your salvation. Sustain us, willingness to follow you. Lord, in your mercy. This morning we lift up to the light of your presence the friends and families of Paul Gibson and Sharon High, who have finished their course in faith and now rest from their labor. Comfort them and grant to all of us an unshakable hope, the assurance that you are with us, holding us close to your own heart, even in the face of death. When the difficulties of life envelop us like a fog, when discouragement and disappointment cloud our view. Help us to see you in our midst. Lord, in your mercy. O healing God, we pray for your groaning world. Let us hear your groaning along with us. Turn our groaning into action as we join you in caring for those living in poverty or oppressed by violence and war or abuse of any kind. Sustain and strengthen all who work for peace and justice, who strive to turn the minds of others to good, not evil. Use us to restore respect and honor and the dignity of all people, for they each carry your holy image. Above all, grant us the deep joy found only in you, the joy that leads to peace beyond all understanding, which can never be taken away. We ask all this in the name of your Son, our Savior Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Next week in Jubilee Hall, you heard me talk about the chance to come and see where our mission dollars go and all the countries we are involved in. That's not possible without your generosity. So in advance of your giving today, thank you on behalf of all the lives that will be touched by your offering today. Ushers, if you will come.
O Lord, your generosity, grace, and mercy are astounding. We pray that the gifts we offer in worship and throughout this week might be used in your name. Help us to be generous with our money, but also with our talents and our time. For it is in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.
be grateful. Be grateful. We are grateful. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.